Dr. Brona Keane on Ireland's Tooth Fairy Podcast, a podcast where we don't sugarcoat the truth and chat about different dental experiences within the dental world. Here we will be hearing from patients, friends and doctors. We will be brought on different dental journeys from all different perspectives to help everyone understand and change their perception of dentistry. Your teeth are a core aspect of your self-care and are to last you a lifetime. They provide you with your smile, speech, eating, and some people even say that the smile is the window to the soul. Hi, I'm Dr. Brona Keane, and you are listening to Ireland's Tooth Fray podcast. And today joining us is Colm Doolan, and he is the founder of Sober Mess podcast and also a positive mental health advocate. Hi, Colm. How are you today? Hey, bro. <laughs> Jumping um, the gun here. Hey, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Hello, potty. Hello, potty. Yeah, we're so delighted to have you on. I'm learning more and more each time we retake this video. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, yeah, so hopefully everyone notices the improvements. Um, but we have you on here today for a very important topic. And that's just in terms of promoting a healthy lifestyle, because in dentistry, as a practitioner and dealing with a lot of the public, I'm always trying to obviously give advice on how to improve your lifestyle, whether it's um, diet or teeth brushing, tooth brushing or um, smoking cessation or reducing your alcohol intake or whatever your guilty pleasure may be. And it's just about trying to kind of get that into a more healthy zone. I'm here is eight years sober. Congratulations there. I am correct in saying eight. (laughs) (laughs) Eight Um, That is such an achievement. Um, I I actually am so impressed by that when I hear stories like this. And I came across your Instagram and I was actually, I just thought it was amazing that people like for you to do it and also stay on it for so long and be able to have that many years behind you, especially at such a young age. Um, because you started off at 21. Yeah, yeah 21. 21, yeah. Um, which I guess is a really good um, role model for any young people out there that feel they could be kind of going down the rabbit hole with drinking um, because it is just, there is so many impacts on our health. Obviously, there is, um, the more obvious ones would be any cancers, problems with our livers, general health. And then when it comes up to our mouth, um, it's associated with, again, oral cancers, but also um, drier mouth, um, which can lead to an increased amount of decay in our mouth. The alcoholic drinks are generally full of sugars or bubbles, which are the carbonic acid, which again, causing decay on our teeth. And then another one is just the tendency to lead an unhealthier lifestyle with increased snacking or late night meals and stuff like that can also lead to an increased amount of decay in your mouth leading to a larger number of fillings needed. So I wanted to get Colm on here for a first-hand opinion or a first-hand experience on how to give up give up your kind of guilty pleasures or kind of get them into control and have lead a more healthier lifestyle and um, rather than me just as I said listing off my HSC advice <laughs> um, which is just so not anecdotal and I feel like people think I'm talking to a wall when I'm telling them this so maybe you will have kind of a better approach to this than I will and then I can take it on into the clinic and be a practitioner. <laughs> so Colin will you kind of start us off there and just telling us your story and like what kind of got you or what how how did you end up to where you were when you were 21 and what was the kick to kind of how did you 
come about to giving it up because I always find that when I'm trying to advise people that they need to be on board in the first place and I am talking to a lot if they don't want to give up yeah. In the first place. <laughs> yeah yeah um my, my story for me um I suppose for me like drink was the solution it wasn't the problem you know what I mean like my problem was like some kids are born with brown hair, some kids are born with red hair. Always born with like anxiety, fear, and lot really low self esteem. Like you know, and uh, as I got older, I, I just assumed everyone else felt like that. You know what I mean? I just felt like, real nervous, and even out in the yard, or even like being around people, I always just felt like on the outside of the circle. Came from a big family, you know. Never knew what it was like, you know. And uh, then as I got older, you know, I kind of um, would always look for distractions and things like, to make me feel better. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I remember even as a kid, you know, we get all the football stickers. I got obsessed with football stickers because the better the football stickers you had in school, the more people liked you. I remember getting that board, I just wanted to be accepted and liked. And if you had like Roy Keane and David Beckham in your, in your sticker book, you're, you're, you're a legend. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You were so, the kid to be fancy. Oh, I was the kid. I was the cool kid. I was the best Pokemon guys in football stickers. And so from a young age, I knew that something on the outside of me could regulate how I felt on the inside, you know what I mean? So I started this thing, this idea that that thing over there will make me happy, it'll make me feel worthy, it'll make me feel good enough, like, you know? And uh, I would have taken, I would about 14, I think I would have my first drink. And I had a few of my family members, like my older brother, it was, uh, it was uh, he remember him drinking when my mom used to go down to Wexford, we'd have uh, like, we'd have like, a free gaffle, he would, he'd do a few years older than me. And uh, they had this biggest party in like Sandy for this house. It's just these massive sessions. And it was really funny. I was only talking to my mom a few years ago. It was part of my, my 12 step program, was making amends. And I remember turning around to my mom saying, Hey, mom, I have to be honest about something. Like, remember our kids used to go out to work, so they used to throw these wild parties in the house, and you never knew about it. I said, Oh, no, I knew. What do you mean you knew? I already thought she didn't know. Yeah, she used to say, I used to come home and the house was absolutely spotless and I loved it as a girl. It's the only time the house was clean when you were trying to hide the fact you had these massive parties. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to ruin that coming out of a lovely clean house. But um, yeah, it was mad. But anyway, yeah, so I, uh, I would have taken my first drink when I was up 14. And uh, I remember the buzz that I got, like just getting drunk and it just melted away all that fear and all that anxiety. And being able to kind of have a chat with the lads and talk to girls and you know i just felt really confident and yeah it was just like it gave me just new uh it gave me i remember just feeling this feeling of eureka like this is this is what i was missing like you know what i mean and i remember one time we on the way home and i climbed into a wheelie bin and, and the wheelie bin fell over and the two or three lads picked me up and were laughing their heads up and put their arm around me i was like Colin, that was so funny that was hilarious and I remember this overwhelming feeling of, yes, I finally arrived, I finally feel accepted. And what I was missing was this wonderful potion of alcohol, like, you know what I mean? But yeah. I think my drinking was very different from everyone else's, from like a young age, from that set go. Because the difference between me and my friends is that they wanted a drink where I needed the drink. And when I when I drank, you know, I don't like, I just, I just couldn't, like, they'd be gone home to bed or going home to the chipper and going home to bed where I'd be like going like waking up in like bushes or getting arrested for jumping disorderly because I was falling asleep on the side of the ground or you know just doing all this crazy shit like that and like and that was the thing that like drinking just didn't suit me at all like but because of that feeling that it gave me I kept going back no matter how many times or how much trouble I was getting into when I stopped drinking I just really missed that feeling and the anxiety of being sober was worse than the anxiety of being drunk if that makes sense because 
when I was drinking, the I only had one fear was where is that next drink coming from? Like, you know what I mean? The fear of the lights coming on in the nightclub that this has to end because it got such a high, such a buzz. But then when I was sober, I had the fear of bills, of what people taught me, the anxieties, the pressures of what, just of being 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 anxious and having that low, really low self-esteem, like you know. So living in that drunken world where I only had to address one problem was getting that next drink. But at the same time, I was that type of guy where I could have like say twenty beers in the fridge and I'm on my first beer and I'm worried about where I'm getting my twenty-first beer from, you know, because it's such a fear of not having enough. You know what I mean? To sustain how I was feeling. Why did you feel that you had to drink 21st drink if you obviously only had the 20s? Like, what made you to feel that you kind of kept going? Would you just be at a point where you're like out of control? Or what? Like, I feel like in Ireland in general, we just overly drink as, as a culture compared to like our casual three drinks mm. or whatever. Like, what makes you, like, with that reducing your anxiety, would the three have been enough? Yeah. Or was it at any state of mind of consciousness that you had to keep drinking? So what it was for me, it was down to two things. Number one, when something made me feel uncomfortable or made me feel off, I wanted to run away from it. And the other thing was, if something made me feel good, I wanted to intensify it. So I had the, the uncomfortable feeling of sobriety and I wanted to get away from that. And then when I took a drink, I had this buzz and I wanted to intensify that. So okay. the more I'd intensify that buzz, the higher I feel in my head. And see, my problem was that when I, my, I, I suffered from always wanting more, especially when I drank. And my favorite drink was always the next drink. And I think with addiction that it's, you're, you're, you have this idea that the next, like you're not, you're not quite where you want to be but the next one will get you there. You're like 10% off to where you want to be. And you have this idea that the next point or the next fucking whatever the next thing might be, will yeah. get you to where you want to be, that place of feeling satisfied and fulfilled. And, and that's the, the problem with addiction, that we're never quite there. We're always chasing some sort of chasing that dragon or chasing that buzz of that getting that sense of feeling good enough and feeling worthy and just feeling where we want to be. Like, you know what I mean? We're never quite getting there. And I think, um, I think you'll hear a lot of when people talk about addiction is that as soon as we take that drink, that our whole thing can change. Like many people say, look, I'm only going out for a point. I'm only going out to watch a Liverpool match and you end up saying out for the season. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, as soon as we get that one drink into us, a whole thing can change. You know what, you know, I'll have one more and then, you know, another one, another one, then before you know, you're going home on a Sunday after three nights out. Like, you know, it all started with one drink and how our thinking just can change from, taking that from a quiet one and my problem was that every time we drank it didn't matter if i was at my nanny's tea party as soon as we had a drink in my head i was on a stag you know just on stag mode you know cause, so even if you're in a, in, a comf in a comfortable environment like around your family yeah. same yeah, I just, Same. I just couldn't have one drink. And my problem was, I wasn't like a chronic alcoholic. My problem was, I wasn't drinking every hour of the day. My problem was, as soon as I had one drink, like 90% of the time led to a blackout. It led to me just going bananas. I really struggled to have one drink. And even at those times when I'd been out and I knew I couldn't drink, I was at parties or family things, and I wouldn't even bother having a first drink because I knew I couldn't go bananas. So if I can't go all, I'll go nothing. Like, you know, and I even yeah. knew that. So I'd, I'd wait till I can actually go crazy to, to take that first drink if that made sense and your point about being a binge drinker column is interesting because i think a lot of the time when people think of an alcoholic they think of that chronic alcoholic that has that total dependency on drink when in fact like you can be a binge drinker or a functioning alcoholic and you don't always have to be like 
that stereotypical alcoholic that most of us have in our heads. What then became your substitute then for, for like social events and stuff? You obviously can't just stay away from all social events. Yeah, no, like, and that's the one, when you stop drinking, it's not about going and hiding in a cave. Like, you know, yeah. it's like, if you were allergic to like tomatoes, you wouldn't go, just, I'm not going to that restaurant drinking tomatoes or, or nuts, you know what I mean? It's like, you can still go out and enjoy yourself, but if you feel comfortable, because what I learned when I stopped drinking is that I'm good enough without alcohol. I did not need alcohol to keep putting on this mask, because that's what I was doing when I was drinking. I was playing a mask, and I was trying to play this actor, this role, Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky, or a tough guy, or a football expert, or a trivia expert. You know, I'd always be playing these different roles with so many different people, because I was so terrified they'd see the real me, like, you know what I mean? They'd yeah. see right into who I was, and I was just terrified that would be rejected the real column would be rejected so i was always playing all these different characters like and then um, you know when i stopped drinking then i realized that i'm enough as i am that i didn't need to add all this stuff to be a better version of me that just as i am is good enough and that that took i suppose take making it as i heard a guy say you're making a journey from your head to your heart to yeah. come to realize that you're good enough exactly how you are and you know, even with people, the young people now that I thought, you know, not they're getting, you know, that they need to get the really nice watch or the Calvin Klein or the perfect Instagram photo, you know, like that. You're good enough if you have, regardless, you have that stuff. And a lot of the time, we can put uh, conditions on what what makes us good enough. So oh, you're not good enough because I haven't got this or I haven't got that. And we can whip ourselves. We can set the bar too high, and then we can beat ourselves up like for not reaching these unrealistic goals yeah. and, and expectations on ourselves, like you know. And like when I got sober then when I came to like who I was, I realised that I didn't need drink to to, to, to have fun, have a chat, have the banter, but I was able to address the reasons why I drank in the first place and all these thought processes that I had about myself were all went through. And when I got to when I came to terms with that, I felt more relaxed and that anxiety started to go away and I was able to go out to pubs or clubs or football games or go backpacking in sobriety and now that I needed I didn't need drink and because I suffered from really uh, like had this I always had really irrational fears of stuff that was never gonna happen. But when I got sober then like, that fear wasn't there anymore. So much so that sometimes I need to round the back in because I'm capable of doing like the craziest of stuff and because I'm just no fear anymore. And too so, much confidence. Yeah, too much <laughs> confidence, you know what I mean? Gone full circle. Le- leaning into that fear. Yeah. yeah. But how did you though build the on the confidence? Like it, was it just a realization or like what was your like journey to that realization or was there one? And so the journey when as I said, when when I put down the drink, you're left with yourself. And that's what the problem was, that I was constantly running away from me and like even when after we stopped drinking you know there's all these little rabbit holes you can go down and whack them all they call it like when you come into recovery you've all like whack them all these little moles come up and you're pitting them with the hammers and play that game whack them all no oh, yeah, 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 yeah 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 and you're trying to and it's like that with like issues when you get sober and you realize shit like oh, i'm uh, you know you might have issues with overtraining or overworking or buying stuff online or Codependent. Like an obsession of Yeah, else. obsession of anything, you know, people, places, things that we can get obsessed with, you know, again, just looking for that distraction. And the very essence of addiction is looking for an escape. And so I'm using this because I don't want to have a look on the inside. I don't want to distract myself from shining the light in on me. And it's the same logic as saying that you're sitting in the sitting room and it's pitch black and go, I need light in here. So you go into the bathroom, turn on the light 
I come back into the sitting room and sitting down and still in the dark. I was like, why is it, why is it still dark in here? Because <laughs> we're using things on the outside to try to fix things on the inside, like, you know what I mean? And, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. That, was a, that took me a second. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I always going to be, I know this. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was using these mad analogies. Because I found when I came into the recovery course, I found it really hard to articulate how it felt. So I used to always think of like these stories and analogies to help me to articulate my feelings and my emotions. Oh like that, I always come up with these mad <laughs> analogies to try and articulate what I'm trying to say and get it. Makes it, it seem a bit like friendlier though. Like <laughs> when you yeah. come up with these little stories. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so because I was wondering, because I know then that you are like a big kind of like um, sea swimmer and stuff. So like, did you did you find that like like fitness and sea swimming and all that was was a bit of an escape for you, or you find that that was just you finding that that felt it was good for you, kind of, you know? Yeah, it it was a bit of both. Like there okay. is times when I cannot, when I need to, like when I found that when I stopped drinking, there was obviously a bit of a void in me, and I was trying to fill that with something healthy because it's easy to fill it with other, I suppose, unhealthy habits and uh, behaviors all over again. Like so, I slowly had to try and replace that kind of void with kind of healthier things like meditation and sea swimming and exercise and eating clean and positive thoughts and, and things like that. So. But like that, and that, and that gives me a buzz. I want to intensify because that's the very addict in me, that nature in me. Like yeah. if I got a buzz out of Legoland, I'd want, if I got a buzz out of Lego, I'd have <laughs> Legoland built in my back garden in half an hour, like you know. Yeah. So with me, with extremes, like I started running. Like I've always been into fitness, you know. I remember I went to a boxer size class about a couple of years ago, and a year later I was competing and in boxing, and then a year after that I was doing a Muay Thai wow. competition in Thailand, you know. So just all these real extremes, like you know what I mean. That and the deals, like and then even going with the run, and I started running in March, and I done a marathon two months later, and everything to the extreme, and and like and then now that I'm planning on doing an Ironman, but I think I need you need to constantly rat on yourself or check in on yourself and say why. What's my purpose for this? What's my motive? Am I trying to prove myself worth? Or am I trying to do it for fitness to see what my achievements are? Because our problem is that if we're doing it for the wrong reasons, that we can become impulsive and we're letting our emotions and our desires take over our logic. And the problem with that is it can get dangerous that we can harm ourselves or others because we're just looking at looking for the nice shiny carrot in the distance. If I get that thing, then I'll be happy and we can pull yeah. like oh if I get this marathon on them that, then I'll be worthy. If I get this five K fast enough, then I'm like who I am. But for me, it's about constantly tracking that to make sure that my motives are always right. Cause so what would your positive motives be versus your, your bad ones that you just mentioned? Yeah, so my positive motives would be the buzz that I get out running. You know, I find that when I run, I'm really present, I'm really in the moment. And I think when a lot of people suffer from anxiety and uh, mental health uh, issues, is that when just not turning our brains off, that modern day society is programmed for us to constantly be stimulated. We have a phone in our hand all the time. And what I love about getting in the sea and running, it's the only time I get my phone's on my hand. And it's something that I'm getting better at. It's just putting the phone down and being more in the present and giving my mind a break because I'm have that monkey mind to talk about worry about bills and then worry about like i'm carrying the tax and then i'm worried about my job and then send an email to that guy's when to send an email last month and getting the assignment in a time and then i'm worried about bills and worry about tax and care and, and i'm jumping from one thing to oh, the next and yeah. never addressing it and never coming to with like a solution you know and then when i when i can kind of 
meditate and be more in the moment and different people have different forms of meditation it could be could be going for running could be swimming could be sitting there with your legs crossing breathing into your nose out your mouth and um, all these different forms and i found i've got like a lot of energy so i found if i do active meditation going for walks and i like even going to cloyne hill i remember going to cloyne hill a few years ago and i didn't see a thing because it was just in my head full of worries looking at the ground i go up to cloyne hill now and i know it's every single tree every single bird every single view like bird in the tree <laughs> <laughs> every <laughs> every like every more single aware, view. yeah more, 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 more aware like and you know it's like um but it's maybe about the presence of mind then being in the present and i found that when i was out there turn my mind off and not always just be in my race and mind and be more in the present that I felt good and I liked I liked who I was a lot more you know what I mean and there was a time when I really didn't like who I was really low self-esteem didn't like how I looked how I talked how I went on I used to walk into a room and be like oh, I'm calling man I'm sorry you know just for being me and really low self-esteem that I didn't even know where to stand from and now I really like my own company. Like I'm like an introvert, like extrovert. Like you know what I mean. And being the only on... one I have a column. Yeah, you're not welcome in this gang. Uh, you know, and like even even when I went backpacking on my own last year for, and it was the best buzz I ever had. You know what I mean. Were you worried to go before backpacking? Uh, absolutely not, because okay. that fear is just not there anymore. And, yeah. and that's what it is for me. It's just like go out, lean into that fear. Like if something worries you, lean into it. Cause that's, if you were to change the word pain to growth, you could say I'm going through a stage of growth. And what people don't understand and about like setbacks, you know, like people, you learn more from hitting them rock bottoms than you ever will from them mountain tops. You learn more about yourself and life lessons from hitting them, hitting them setbacks. Yeah, it's the, same, the it's the same like, expression, isn't it? That like you learn from your mistakes, but you don't learn from your successes. 100%. It's the same with everything. Yeah. Mindset. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just on the terms of meditation and like the not being able, like not being aware at all of your surroundings and stuff, then as well, you're like not sleeping as well, and then you're going into like a spiral mm. of nearly like yeah. never getting time to relax or anything. And then I guess you're in a worse mood, and then you're looking for an escape again. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's all it's just like a spiral, like huge you know circle I mean? of life. Yeah, but and, and that's the very thing of a habit is I feel a certain so A, I feel a certain way, and then if I do B. Uh, I'll get C, which is the reward. So if I feel like I'm feeling low, so I'll have this glass of wine, which runs over me feeling high. I'm feeling bored, so I'll place this bet, and I'll get a bit of a buzz. I'm feeling insecure, so I'll buy this thing online, and I'll end up feeling good. And it's this habit that when we feel, like all oh, like actions born and thought. So if I feel a certain way, and if I do that thing, then this will make me feel different. And that's where all habits can stem from, like, you know, so I want to feel different, so I'll do this act, and then that would be, and this would be the result. And I think you said, I think you said in your podcast that you shouldn't be thinking about your future person, you should be looking after your present person. (laughs) (laughs) I think I remember the exact words, but it was something along that, that you have to make current, current column happy, not not future. But then you're looking out for a future column, is that it or something? But that's the thing, we're always just living in the future, like a whole... uh, thing is oh tomorrow i'll be happy like i want to get when i go out to bali like hear people like saying oh, i want to go to bali or they like, get to this weight goal or when i get to this marathon or when I, when this lockdown is over then i'll be happy but, but people don't realize that we can be happy and joyous right now and i'd rather use the word joy over happy because happy means there's a condition on it like if i get that thing i'll be happy whereas yeah. joy joy is like 
just in the moment, in the present. You know, I was talking to a guy who was playing rugby, and he says when he plays rugby, he doesn't think once. He's just in the moment, in the zone. They get it from playing football. You see kids getting it when they're in the playground. They're just so in the moment, Enjoy, just intensely yeah. joyful. Like there's no if I get that thing, I'll be happy. Just being but if you're happy joy. now, you'll be happy tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's it. That's true. I know you don't want me to use the word happy, but <laughs> um, but just on the note of kind of like I think you mentioned it a few 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 words back um that there was like triggers and stuff like what would you do if you were reaching a point that was more test setbacks with what you were talking about um so on the note of setbacks I'm wondering like what how did you manage triggers or did you ever experience triggers like when you were kind of like giving yeah up 100% so like triggers I think a lot of people would struggle with uh would be like the two hours they say the big ones like rejection and resentment you know, when we feel rejected by something or someone and then resentment where someone could uh, say be mean to us or we have an argument or just yeah. anger, you know, they're the two kind of things that right that thing can can set me off, like you know what I mean? Yeah. To say and then again we 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 get a feeling and I wanna I I don't like how I'm feeling. So if I do A, so imagine we have this button and every time we press it it releases dopamine and dopamine can be make me feel good like so that and that button could be alcohol it could be placing the bed could eat a chocolate cake could be buying something online gambling like whatever the buzz is whatever it doesn't matter what it is but the, the principle is every time we press that button i'll feel different than how i'm feeling now yeah and that's like the essence of addiction is like if i'm feeling like this i want to press that button and what i had to learn was to be able to sit with emotion and sit with pain and sit with that so so it was just saying through you didn't have any thing that you did when you were triggered yeah because I, I, my whole life i've ran away from stuff that that didn't make me feel good and then okay. when i came into recovery i learned to just sit with it and know that this too shall pass and yeah. the very nature of of it's very nice like the essence the laws of nature is that wherever we, we walk on we'll get stronger so if i was when i get used to not that you get used to it but you know experience tells me today that this will pass like heartbreak is shit going losing someone you love is crap like you know going through grief or getting all these this rejection it's, it's not good like especially when you're going through the first time yeah. but when you go through the second time you've experienced you know here wait i went through this before it was shitty i did not enjoy it but it did pass you yeah. know so it's just about learning to as a, a sea analogy you know that waves come at us that we can't control but if we learn to surf it would be okay it's just to let things kind of let things pass and come and i think part of being a human being and what people don't realize that it's okay to go through pain stages of suffering and stages of pain because if there was no suffering and no pain you would be no business for like well-being fucking podcasts or psychiatrists <laughs> or the pharmaceutical companies you know so it's a normal you know what i mean there's not it's normal for for people to be going through pain and, and but without suffering. lows, you don't have your highs. I mean, it's exactly. all a balancing act. And yeah. it's like, if that is not what so it's in nature, you're going to get up, you're going to get down, you're going to be a hot, it's going to be cold, it's going to be winter, it's going to be summer. The so it comes in. A lot of people then also just don't realize that like other people are going through that. I feel like that's another thing. Like when people do come out about mental health and stuff, and they're talking about their highs and lows, they think, and I, it is, I guess, an, in your own head thing, but you think that it's not everyone's going through it, kind yeah, of, yeah. and you do think that you're kind of on your own, and it is just, I guess, about listening to us today or listening to any mental health podcast or with your friends or your family or whatever and realizing that you aren't alone and not just shutting these people out yeah. when they say that they can I guess relate to you because the majority of people I guess in this day and age in a society that's so demanding can relate to the anxiety that we talk of and and depression and all these things like 
that everyone's going through. Yeah, no, 100%. And it can be... It can be a very lonely place in terms of you think you're the only one that's gone through. You get up, you're feeling low, you look out the window, you see people on the bus going to work or people in the cars and you think you're the only one that's gone through. And it's not like it's something you'd bring up at the work canteen, like how are you yeah. to get up too much the weekend and you're like, oh no, I was, I was morbidly depressed. Like, you know, you're going to fake it to make it. Like, and yeah. I think that... Uh, it's it, it we don't we don't just enjoy opening up and talking about it and we can carry it around and just throw it in the back seat and just get on with it and the beautiful thing and especially now with all this a lot of social media that people are starting to open up about their struggles and say look you're not alone and there's great uh there's a great i suppose connection and knowing or a relief in knowing that you're not the only one that going through struggles that we all go through stages of anxiety and even depression and it's, it's perfectly okay and, and like we're all going in the same boat and just with each other with it like and that that's what made me realize that um when i'm not okay i'm okay you know, it's okay not to be okay you know what i mean yeah like, i love that i've yeah, heard that before you know that like yeah. you're, you're, we'll, we'll get through it together you're not alone like you know yeah no definitely definitely um and i guess then knowing that you have that support system that would be um a huge kind of component of like planning yeah. for how to kind of come out of these things so if you if someone for example was hoping to give something up um soon or they've given them up in january or whatever and um, what would you say for someone to give up what would what would be your plan would you have a plan in place for like what would you say for people well, like what, what ask yourself why do you want to give up in the first place like, yeah you know what i mean like what what's leading us one could be like i want to go on a diet or i want to like i want to do more running i want to even add something to my life or you know i don't like my relationship with alcohol you know or i don't like my relationship with food or i don't like my relationship with drugs or video games on my phone like is what what is if something you know if something is causing you like this sort of, sort of anxiety of asking yourself why the need ask your your question this thing yeah you know, ask yourself like where where would your life be if it wasn't there you know what i mean like if you were to write so if you were to write a book on your life right now what would you title that book you know what i mean and and if in a year's time like what would you want that next chapter to be you know what i mean what do you want like if you were to write a book and name each chapter of your life for every year say or every two to three years and then this year to the next year what would you like that chapter to be like what would you want that story to be about you know what i mean who do you want to be this you want to give up them smokes you want to give up that alcohol you know and my other thing as well is that you know, if someone you envy, you see someone like, oh, I want what they have. Deep down, we can say, call it envy, but realistically, it's like sometimes it's a good way to gauge where we want to be. When you say, well, you can envy, look, I found when I stopped drinking first, you'd be like, ah, you're, yeah, you're, not, you're, you're, you're such a quitter, you know? And like, just people just keep ripping out. But a lot of the time, if you're reminding people of their own kind of, you're reminding the people are shining the light on their own kind of drinking or their own habits. That they're not comfortable with and people a lot of time people don't want to look at the internet. Oh, so that was like reflect deflecting yeah them saying it to you which yeah, yeah you're people, always kind of like why are people saying this stuff yeah. when that person's clearly trying to give up yeah but it that's a good way of looking at it yeah was like that's it. I'm right in why like I I was always like even when I'm going out for runs or going out for the sea dips in the morning like for the sunrise and sometimes I'm like what's my why like why am I doing it like you know what I mean a lot of times it makes me feel good I love it's good to feel good and i love the feeling i get after i get out of the sea or after i go for a run and you know i'm, I'm off the cigarettes now five years as well and, oh my god yeah I'm, I'm, You're I'm, flying. I'm, I'm getting addicted to giving up addictions <laughs> but, uh, you're gonna be the best at giving up addictions <laughs> <I know. laughs> 
but smoking cessation comes up a lot with me and I'm very pro giving up smoking and um, so I just wanted to know like which one it, did you find more difficult do you um, feel yeah well, like physically I'd say smoking but like emotionally and mental wise I'd say alcohol and I'm kind of wondering like how you coped with the physical like um impulsions of the smoking yeah so when i came into recovery first i was introduced to like a 12-step program so it was like a program for living and you get all these different principles and one of the principles were just one day at a time so just to keep it in the day keep it in the moment and a lot of the times when we get them impulses there they don't last they're only temporarily and we learn not to act on them like if say if you're walking down the street and you look in the shop window and you see this little top and like i want to buy that but i can't afford it and then you just walk on and you see this little cake in the window i want to buy that but i can't i'm on a diet and then you walk on you look in the window and you see a bicycle and you're like i want to buy that bicycle but i don't know how to ride a bicycle <laughs> you know but what i'm trying to say is that where they they're not and we get that compulsion we get that urge but we don't feed into it and just let it pass like a cloud pass in the head you know and eventually we'll be, be able to give up you know what i mean and, and how a habit is formed like we were saying earlier is that if i feel like a and i'll do b c would be the reward you know what i mean so if i learn that i'm not actually getting a reward out, out of smoking or alcohol it's not adding to my life whatsoever you know and learning that new a new form a new habit or a new thought process in my head like you know what i mean yeah but like with, with, with smoking it's like it's i suppose like um it's just that thing and one day at a time i'm just not gonna smoke today that's yeah. it and if that urge comes in you know maybe go for a walk or maybe buy a chocolate bar or maybe you know go for a run yes. or find something else because it's not it's just in that moment it may seem really intense and it's the same with any same with mental health you may get in moments where you feel so overwhelmed but just know that's not permanent and that urge to say pick up a cigarette or pick up a drink you know that's not permanent that will fade it might feel really intense and you feel like you have to act on it but we don't have to act on our thoughts and that's one thing that recovery has taught me that if i get a thought i don't have to act on it. i used to be so impulsive like i get a thought and i want to quit my job or i want to do something insane just with a thought and recovery has taught me like a 10 second rule that if i want to get my word in that even if you have an argument you want to tell your boss how you really feel about him you know count the ten <laughs> and don't don't just say the first thing that comes to your head and that ten second yeah, that okay. 10 second rule, you know, if you get a thought and impulse and just count to 10 and it'll fade away. You don't have to act on it straight away. Again, like if you were to write a book about yourself and say every three or four years had a chapter, like what would you call each chapter up to now? Yeah. And then say, right, this, this time in a year, what do you want that story to be about? What do you want to be able to say? Say, oh, I'm brown, I'm the best dentist podcast in. <laughs> Ireland in the world and you know all these great followers and you know etc and with me my story like I, I want to be able to connect with people I want to be you know put out a positive message I want to be able to like you know do, do an Ironman I want to be able to you know like these are some of my goals you know what I mean and um, I want to be able to see that to be in my book to be in my story next year and tell people that so if you're currently smoking or doing what something that you don't feel comfortable with yeah. you know ask yourself if you want do you want that to be in your story next year do you want to say hi I don't smoke I don't drink I've done this I've done, I've done this run I've lost this amount of weight or I've done this what do you want what do you want to be able to tell people what do you want people to be able to read in your book you know what I mean yeah I'm gonna post as well the other way that if you want to see yourself do that Iron Man in a year like you need to have 
been doing your running up onto it so like yeah, every yeah. day you don't want to do it and stuff you have to go ahead and do your and I find, I find you why like why am i getting up for like sunrise sea dips or why am i going out for these runs because they make me feel good they make me feel amazing and there's no dire consequences yeah cigarettes can ease stress apparently and alcohol but what what are the consequences like, you yeah. know what i mean the short-term relief and long-term consequences like you know what i mean and that's the so that's the problem with addiction is that it can because it's just a, such a quick fix that we get the buzz now and then tomorrow we'll worry about it just give me what i want now it's like tunnel vision yeah, yeah it's just a quick quick fix like you know what i mean just give me what i want now and i'll, I'll give it up tomorrow i swear i'll give it up in the new year you know <laughs> just you can kid yourself into thinking oh, if i get that thing i'll be worth it so what's the what's the fucking logo for uh, l'oreal oh because you're right because you're worth it so buy this thing and then you'll feel worthy like you know what i mean yeah. and that and then so i had to realize that i'm worthy regardless of my possessions or my conditions that i sell myself you know what i mean to know that i'm good enough as i am like you know and not needing to seek it on external things and that's a wrap for today's episode thank you so much for joining column and i in our conversation. Colm is the founder of the Sober Mess podcast, which I would highly recommend. Be sure to check out Colm underscore Doolin 91 and at Dr. Brona Keen for more tricks and tips. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with all of your friends and family.